0: Hello and welcome. I'm Al Barrows and this is UFO Disclosure, the podcast that's meant to show an average person's reaction to all the UFO, UAP news from the internet, social media, books, experiencers, and even our government. It's been a while since uh, we've had any news about the U.S. Senate hearings. So I'd like to discuss some events that have been going on since then and maybe figure out a way how we can help Congress along uh, along this uh, path towards disclosure. There's certain things that maybe we can do. Um, I know that uh, certain Congress people haven't been idle in the meantime, this is a letter. That uh, Tim Burchett, Jared Jarrett Moskowitz, and Anna Polina Luna, which were uh, three uh, Congress people that were ver- uh, very um, uh, effective in pushing for the last UAP disclosure, and they wrote a letter to the Inspector General. He's responsible for. Um, keeping a lot of secrets, and he's the person that David Grush initially went to, and um, it was uh, nothing but retaliation as a result. And um, I'll just read the letter so you can get an idea of um, they're sort of trying to put pressure on the inspector general to let out some of this information, because um, on July the 26th, Uh, The House Oversight and uh, Accountability Subcommittee on National Security and Foreign Affairs had their hearing on UAPs, as most of you probably know. And during the hearing, Air Force veteran and former intelligence officer, the famous Mr. David Grush, um, declined to answer several questions um, in this uh, public setting um, because the information was classified. And he said that he would need, uh, to be in a SCIF or an appropriate classified level setting. And a SCIF is, uh, nothing more than a, uh, security classified intelligence, uh, secured classified intelligence facility. Um, this is where, uh, People that are, have a clearance can hear classified information of the type that uh, David Grush had on reverse-engineered items and people holding reverse-engineered items. Specifically, David uh, Grush could not provide the names and titles of individuals with firsthand knowledge of or direct active access to UAP crash retrieval programs. Um, Also, David Grush could not provide the names or titles of individuals with firsthand knowledge of or direct access to UAP reverse engineering programs. However, and I'm reading this uh, practically verbatim from the letter that the Congress uh, people sent to the inspector general, Uh, however, Mr. Grush um, testified that he provided the information to the Intelligence Commission Inspector General's office. So this is why um, uh, Burchette and Luna are pressing for the Inspector General to release this information, because David Grush initially gave this information to the Inspector General. So considering Mr. Grush's testimony was under oath, The letter goes on to say that we request answers to the following questions. Number one, which intelligence community members, positions, facilities, military bases, or other actors are involved with UAP crash retrieval programs, directly or indirectly? Secondly, which intelligence community members positions, facilities, military bases, or other actors are involved with UAP reverse engineering programs directly or indirectly. Uh, Finally, uh, at the end of the sentence uh, letter, it says, please respond to these questions by September the 15th, 2023. So they're giving um, the inspector general a deadline. If the information requested in the questions above contain classified material, we request access to this information in a secure setting, or a skiff is what they mean, no later than September the 26th, 2023. Thank you for your attention in this matter. And it is signed by Tim Burchett, Jared Mos- Kaus- M- Moskowitz, and Anna Polina Luna three Congress people that were very effective in getting the last UAP hearing going. So you can see that um, they are trying to keep the ball rolling, even though other things are uh, taking a priority right now in Congress. Um, there's also certain things that we as citizens can do. And I'm referring to um, something that uh, came up uh, during my podcast that covered Dr. Greer's uh, historic uh, press club event this past June, and um, he advertised that uh, we can, as citizens, we can reach out to our Congress people and senators, and we can do the same here in this case uh, with the hearings. Um, We can reach out to our Congress people and senators, And you can find out who your congressman or senators are. You can go to HTTPS, of course, colon, uh, forward slash, forward slash, www.congress.gov. And on the right-hand side, you click Members. Then you will see in the center, find your member by address. Type in your address, and it will then display who represents you in both the Senate and Congress. Uh, Secondly, you can go to the website for each of your senators and for your rep and find the contact us section. Um, Send a letter and um, whatever you want to say, let them know um, about the UAP hearings and how you want all this classified information revealed. Um, Encourage them, uh, let them know that we want to know the truth, we want disclosure. Uh, anyone that uh, you know tell them to do the same uh, i another option um uh, it's something that i found on twitter um there is apparently a petition to biden to the biden administration pressing for a, th- a thorough investigation and transparency uh whistleblower protection, and accountability. Uh, This is something that we can do right now. And the uh, website for that uh, petition, if you want to participate, is, of course, https colon forward slash forward slash chng.it forward slash nh capital B capital N w2 capital F capital Y, capital W, and P. So those are two things that we can do to get the um, UAP hearings going again, Uh, filling out this petition, uh, asking the Biden administration to press for more transparency and whistleblower protection and accountability. Or you can just write to your congressperson or uh, senator. Aside from that, um, I wanted to cover a um, 1950 uh, UFO incident that some of you may or may not be aware of. It happened in Farmington, New Mexico, and um, happened in 1950, as I said. Um, This article is from David Marler. He's a uh, research investigator, and he did an excellent job with this article. In March 1950, uh, hundreds of flying saucers were were reported in broad daylight by thousands of eyewitnesses in Farmington, New Mexico. This incredible episode happened over a full three-day period, folks. Three days of this. Thousands of UFOs flying overhead. And this was back in 1950. So people didn't have smartphones, um, cameras weren't that uh, common. Uh, But I think I may have a photo um, here. It's kind of blurry, but there is some sort of a photograph of some of the craft. Um, Many of the people um, have heard of this incident, uh, but not much research has been done regarding it in over 68 years since the event occurred. So When people associate the state of New Mexico with the subject of UFOs, it usually, people usually think of the Roswell UFO incident. This involved the military recovery of a crash flying saucer outside of Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Um, As far as sensationalism goes, nothing could capture the imagination more than that, right? Or could it? A lot of people are not aware of this incident, which is equally dramatic. Um, I mean, after the Roswell incident, flying saucers were making headlines left and right. Uh, This time, the UFO activity seemed to be focusing on the northwestern portion of New Mexico. Specifically, flying saucers were all over the skies in Farmington, New Mexico for a period of three consecutive days and Farmington is situated in the far northwest corner of the state of New Mexico. It's just sixty one miles southeast of the Four Corners area which is famous for UFO sightings it uh, it only had a population of about three to five thousand people and um, it uh, it's a town that uh, was involved in production of oil and coal. And this event occurred in broad daylight, as I said. Um, There was nothing ambiguous about it because it didn't happen at night. Um, There was plenty of light in the sky for everyone to see what was going on. And a lot of the townspeople, respectable people, reported on what they saw. This is a uh, a clipping from a Santa Fe uh, Mexican newspaper. Uh, dated March the seventeenth, uh, showing two of the children that uh, actually saw the saucers in the sky. And the headline reads: Farmington invaded by saucer squadron. Here's another one: The Las Vegas Daily Optic headline reads: Spaceships cause sensation. Farmington citizens report sky objects. This did occur in 1950, uh, sometime before. Uh, Any UFO organizations were uh, organized. Um, Even the early organizations like the Aerial Phenomenal Research Organization or APRO wasn't founded until 1950. And uh, there was another one called the um, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon or NICAP. That wasn't founded until 1956. And this Farmington incident happened in 1950. So despite this, and in the years and decades following this event, little of anything was written or seriously investigated uh, from the standpoint of the UFO community, which is really odd. It was just it just fell by the wayside. Uh, this is a big oversight, in my opinion. Um, this case uh, supposedly involved hundreds to thousands of eyewitnesses. Inves- investigators also uh look at uh documentation and and the newspapers uh we have newspaper reports and military documents what more you know does a ufo research community want um photographs well m- they might be a photograph i'm gonna be showing this in just a moment but um uh, here's a newspaper clipping um from the Farmington Daily News, uh, March 18th, 1950. There was a a large article on the case. It was a prominent headline, it captured everyone's attention. It read huge saucer armada jolts Farmington. So The sighting reports in the Farmington uh, Daily Times included descriptions involving silvery discs that appeared to play tag high in the air. And then they seemed to have streaked away at incredible speeds. One eyewitness stated that they traveled at speeds that appeared to him to be about 10 times faster than that of jet planes. You also noted that the objects frequently made right angle turns, uh, which we know that UFOs today, and that's common with them. Um, what's important regarding the article uh, from an investigative standpoint is that the article does mention 13 witnesses by name uh, due to the passage of time and based on research. Um, only one witness uh, mentioned in the uh, 1950 article is still alive. Uh, and this is uh, Dave Mahler with that witness. Uh, Dave Mahler, the researcher, UFO researcher, is uh, speaking with Marlowe Webb and he interviewed him in 2016. Mr. Webb even though he's 19 was 90 years old at the time uh still sharp-witted and uh still was a business owner um, very successful business owner in uh, Farmington uh New Mexico lifelong resident uh he also uh became the mayor in ni- in the 1970s and he he's been a licensed pilot for decades uh, so a naval uh, and a naval aviator in from World War II, This is an amazing witness to have, and he would know the difference between a regular plane squadron and a UFO armada. What's intriguing about uh, this man, uh, Marlo Webb, is that not only that he was a witness to the objects that passed over Farmington and march 1950 but that he witnessed them on the first day thursday march the 16th the three days of the sighting seemed to develop with thursday march the 16th having two overflights friday march the 17th having multiple overflights and the third and final day saturday the 18th having subsequent sightings but with much fewer details Um, Mr. Webb conveyed that he was working in the parts department at the Perry Smoke Chevrolet Garage on Main Street in Farmington on the morning of Thursday, March the 16th, around 11 a.m. And here's a picture of where he worked and a picture of one of the craft. It's partially blocked by the trees. Um, He said that... um, While working inside, he noticed a group of several people standing outside near the gas pumps. His curiosity peaked. He stepped outside. He witnessed a group of objects estimated to be 15 to 20 in number moving from the east-west, just north of their location. You can see just one of them moving off screen there in the picture. He added that the objects moved in a tight formation and maneuvered together, making sharp turns at high speeds. They had fuzzy outlines and no discernible color due to their apparent distance. In addition, there was no noise. So after observing these things for five to 10 minutes, the objects disappeared behind a group of trees that were situated behind the garage. And we can see those trees in this picture. Webb then proceeded back into the garage where he had to resume his duties. He then maintained his story for decades about what he saw and never claimed otherwise. Uh, And like other witnesses, he was interviewed by government agents on more than one occasion concerning what he observed that day. However, it must be stated that Mr. Webb was in no way intimidated or told not to speak of the event he has spoken openly about this over the passing decades unfortunately conspiracy tales surrounding this event have surfaced tales of witnesses being threatened not to speak of the events are completely baseless according to this article there was also an account that all the local newspapers from the march 18th 1950 were gathered up by the government agents to silence the story. They obviously didn't do a good job since you could readily look at these up in the local college library on microfilm. I also showed the headlines there just a moment ago. So whatever these objects were, they demonstrated sharp maneuverability, information. They were not haphazard. Like leaves or other things blowing in the wind, they maintained position relative to one another while engaging in sharp maneuvers. The following day, March 17, the events were as follows. 10.15, five to nine saucers were observed. 1030, hundreds of objects seen west of town. revolving disks swooping and swerving and turning like a top. 10.35, three objects staged a dogfight in the sky. Okay, folks, a dogfight. How did this not become more prominent in ufology? A UFO dogfight over an American town in 1950. By 11 a.m., the sighting of a solitary saucer-shaped object that circled town, was seen. Two metallic UFOs were seen after that. A swarm of disks or UFOs were seen between 11.15 and 11.30. By 2 p.m., a silvery object shaped like a rectangle with rounded ends was seen moving in a westerly direction. And by 3 p.m., a fleet, okay, folks, a fleet of hundreds of flying saucers information from the Northeast heading Southwest. It was a reference to a red object that seemed to be the leader of these UFOs uh, that flew in formation. Um, one of the witnesses was a Mr. Clayton Body, seen here in this picture, who was a business manager of the Farmington Daily Times. He is quoted in the news article in the March 18th article as stating that he was walking down Broadway Street when all of a sudden, I noticed a few moving objects high in the sky. Moments later, there appeared what seemed to be about 500, okay, 500 UFOs. How is this not better known? I mean, Roswell was one or two craft. Here we have 500 UFOs flying low over a town in New Mexico. He also uh, made a point of saying that there was a red UFO that was the leader. Um, A late UFO researcher by the name of Dr. James McDonald, seen here in this picture, at the University of Arizona uh, took the time to call witnesses by phone and record some of the interviews in the late 1960s. After his death, all of his UFO files were preserved and made available to the public. Dr. McDonald interviewed Mr. Marlowe Webb back in January the 9th. He was the 90-year-old that uh, David uh, interviewed earlier in the picture that I just showed. It should be noted that on reviewing the audio recording of that interview, um, Dr. McDonald was impressed that Mr. Webb's testimony did not change in any significant way when compared to other interviews. Here's another living witness, um, Virgil Riggs, who was a young boy at the time. He was in Farmington, New Mexico. And he was eight years old at the time. And he was in elementary school, the Aztec elementary school in 1950, shown in this picture. Um, he, He vividly remembers seeing mysterious objects in the skies over his playground on three consecutive days back in March 1950. And he says, and I quote, the first day, there were a few. The second day, there were too many to count. And on the third day, there were maybe 30 or 40 of them left. End quote. He further described the objects as dots that were seen to be flying in formation. In fact, on the second day, he relates that the objects stretched across the sky from horizon to horizon okay that's a lot of ufos if they stretch from horizon to horizon and he described them as resembling a quilt pattern when that were lined up like a series of double six dominoes and there's a graphic here showing that and it's just a a rectangle with. Dots going horizontally and vertically, sort of like the way domino dots are. So within the various formations, though, uh, Virgil noted that individual objects would randomly fly out of one formation and then fly into another formation. That's curious. Once there, it seemed as though it would push out An existing object which would then fly to another formation and so on. This pattern of activity would be seen to repeat itself over and over as the series of formations flew overhead. He said that after three days of seeing these objects at various times when at recess, he and his fellow students were disappointed when they eventually never returned. As he stated, We thought it was pretty cool. So it may come as no surprise to those who have followed the history of the US Air Force's investigation into UFOs that nothing significant was concluded regarding this Farmington incident. The US Air Force um, was not hesitant to offer an explanation for the Farmington New Mexico sightings. This came in the way of Dr. Uh, Donald Menzel, seen here. Uh, He's a Harvard astronomer. And uh, regardless of the man's intellect and standing in the scientific community, his explanation defies both logic and common sense. Um, It has all the hallmarks of an officially sanctioned Air Force explanation for UFOs. In other words, disinformation. In a nutshell, Dr. Menzel proposed that the explanation for the Farmington Saucer Armada were fragments of a rupert, ruptured, high-altitude U.S. Navy skyhook balloon. Okay, so it goes back to the uh, Roswell explanation, uh, expecting us to believe that uh, balloons uh, could be mistaken for UFOs, Uh, this explanation of sightings over Farmington uh, just doesn't hold water. But you can see how as early as 1950, reports were coming fast and heavy from the uh, New Mexico and um, Four Corners area. Mexico city itself had its share of flying saucers on March the 13th, almost uh, a week before in California. Um, The same day coincidentally, a flying saucer uh, in New Mexico in the Southeast corner of the state was spotted. Uh, They spotted a red flying disc, which is the leader of that last, uh, Squadron that we just mentioned over Farmington. And another example um, is March the 16th. Uh, there was activity um, in Mexico City again. And this was on the same day that there was activity in Farmington. But this time they were filming them. San Antonio Express uh, on the 17th. Uh, recounted a report of a solitary saucer that hovered over Mexico City. The article stated that hundreds of people saw the saucer. The article uh, states that uh, 16 millimeter film footage was shot of the object, but that nothing would be known until the film was developed. Um, No follow up on this was ever recorded in the papers. And that last portion of the article added. So Flying saucer reports were coming fast and heavy during that week and the week before, uh, of March the thirteenth through the eighteenth in nineteen fifty, and until recently, no reference was ever made to possible photographs tied to this case. Uh, but I did mention that there were some photographs provided here by David Marler. Um, No serious level of investigation has ever been done on this case, this Farmington case, with the exception of the work done by Dr. James McDonald and, of course, David, who wrote this article. But on October the 11th of 2013, things changed. The Arizona-based UFO investigative research organization called Open Minds, posted a story revolving around a photograph from the late Wendell Stevens' photo collection. This black and white photograph has a backdrop of clouds with a number of circular objects of varying size, apparently in the foreground. So here it is, folks. This is what people saw over Farmington. On the back of this photograph, is handwritten, quote, unquote, the 18th of March, 1950, AM, Farmington, New Mexico. So the photographer Wendell uh, is a well-known UFO researcher. He passed away September the 7th, 2010. After describing the UFO incident over Farmington, New Mexico, 1950, Wendell stated, quote, unquote, one picture escaped collection by the military people. I guess military people took everyone's photograph, anyone that took pictures. So this is the one picture that escaped and went there and canvassed the houses. They went around to people's houses and took their pictures. They took all the pictures. They took cameras too, but somebody had in town, left town after taking the photographs and took one to Durango, Colorado, where he turned it into the Durango paper. And Durango published this one photograph, which shows seven or eight of the objects in the sky and five of them in a loose formation at lower level and four or five at a higher level. Here's the picture, folks. Real UFOs over Farmington. So no one uh, apparently said that they were intimidated. Uh, You have to remember back then people were very cooperative. It was during the Cold War. So they readily handed over uh, whatever the government or the FBI agents asked of them. They handed over their cameras and pictures. Um, So even Marlo Webb, who's a 90-year-old witness, said that uh, he was not intimidated. Uh, The agents that spoke to him asked some questions, but nothing to the extent of questions that uh, were aggressive. He said that it was interesting. There was also no reference to threats whatsoever. There's no evidence of people being threatened. People just cooperated back then. They were less suspicious of the government back then. So, as here's another uh, shot of that picture. So, this may or may not be uh, the UFOs over Farmington. So uh, apparently, uh, David uh, may have debunked the story uh, relayed to Wendell Stevens regarding the photo being published in Durango. There's no definite tie to Farmington, New Mexico. Um, some speculation as to the cloud formations not being real um, is simply something just doesn't jive up about the picture. Um, more and more indications suggest that these photographs are not uh, from Farmington, New Mexico uh, uh, from when the flying armada went over. That being said, we must acknowledge two important points that still make these photos intriguing. The obvious one being that they appear to be flying in formation and many witnesses from Farmington stated that the objects observed were in formation. Another detail um, that um, eyewitnesses provided is quoted um, in a newspaper called The Avalanche uh, by a Navy veteran pilot um, um, that the um, object appeared to be, the lead object appeared to be red in the center of the formation. He was surrounded by uh, the armada of silvery disks. He stated that they were, quote unquote, perfect replicas of a dinner table plate, even to the bottom ring, end quote. So in final analysis um, regarding the photographs, Uh, My humble opinion, and I think uh, David's as well, is that um, the photographs probably were not taken in Farmington, New Mexico in 1950, based on uh, the cloud formations don't look right. Um, But the photographs... um, UFOs do look authentic, and the characteristics shown in the photographs are strikingly similar to the reports of uh, Farmington, New Mexico, uh, Eyewitness Reports. I just thought that uh, it was interesting. I added the photographs because it's probably somewhat what they saw over Farmington. And this occurred in 1950, March, in uh, consecutive three days. And they were dogfights over New Mexico. And this uh, was taken from an article written by David Marler, who's a UFO researcher. My name is Al Peros. This is UFO disclosure. Hashtag to David Marler. Uh, great job on this article. and. Stay tuned to UFO Disclosure for further updates on the upcoming UAP hearings. All the blessings and luck to all. Keep looking up at the sky and keep hoping for a disclosure. Thank you.